0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 49 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today, wherever you are right now listening in from, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now we are just one more episode away from the season 3 finale and the 100th episode of the podcast It is going to be a lot of fun. It's coming your way tomorrow. Make sure you do not miss it. But before we get to that, we have quite possibly the biggest interview in the podcast history. He is the biggest name in world swimming right now. He is an outlier. He is a mold breaker. He is the fastest breaststroker in the world ever. He is the London Raw team captain. He is the one and only Mr. Adam Peaty. I caught up with Adam a week ago before the ISL kicked off and after we got past the dodgy Wi-Fi, we discussed his new baby boy, George, his training through the pandemic, leading the London Raw into the season two of the ISL, as well as his fast stroke rate, becoming the fastest in the world, a champion's mindset, his goals for the future and a whole lot more. So whatever you're doing right now, stop it find a quiet place to settle in because if you are not taking notes right now when you're about to hear from the biggest and best swimmer in the world what are you doing episode 49 my chat, my sit down one on one with the greatest breaststroker of all time, Adam Peaty starts now Take your away they go no problems with the start where is one? Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a meter on Van der Noorden's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Phantom butterfly, Susie O'Neill. But he's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white right hats, Vest in the black hats, and Vest is I cannot believe he's going to... today on the show is without a doubt one of the biggest names in world swimming today you name it he has done it world records olympic gold multiple time world champion and com games champion and he is currently in budapest gearing up to help lead the london raw for the season two launch of the isl it is a massive welcome to off the block swimming podcast to the one and only mr adam peaty adam how are you going mate
1: Did you hear me? And the internet is horrendous.
0: <laughs> that is the worst start ever on the show. Possibly the biggest name and we have started like that. It's not, it's
1: not off the blocks anymore, it's still on the block.
0: <laughs> yeah, the- we're, the- on the- <laughs> we're still waiting. And Mr Adam Petty, mate, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you, except from the internet, which is testing my patience, but yeah, all good. <laughs>
0: now, mate, listen, we, before we talk about swimming, um, I, I want to mention your little man, George. Uh, I know you've obviously been missing him a lot now. This is sort of your first you know, time away from him, and I, I know myself having a two-year-old daughter. Some of the hardest times are actually when you've got to leave and go out of the house and, and go to work. Uh, talk to me about your uh, George uh, and your partner, uh, Erie, and then also, you know, how they've helped change your life.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they're both amazing. Obviously she's uh, holding it down, holding the fort down back at home now. Uh, but yeah, he's growing really quick, which is obviously what I'm scared of getting out here and then coming back and he's going to be completely different. I'm just going to hold him like, Oh my God, he's, he's not even mine or something like that. But <laughs> it's, um, Yeah, I mean, that's what every parent fears is that, you know, you're going to miss those key areas of their growth and key areas of, you know, know, what they become, I guess. But, you know, she knows that I've got to come out here and race. I know I've got to come out here and race. So, you know, why would I waste any negative energy? It's all positive energy for me to, you know, come out here. It's a great opportunity for the swimming world to put on a bit of sport. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just positives out here. Really, except for my decaf coffee, which I was given uh, this morning. Um, so it's you know I think over the over the duration of this, there's going to be little things where, obviously, you know normally if you're away for six weeks, you can you know get away with you know I guess um, going to the shop like when we go to Australia for six or seven weeks, we can go and it's pretty much like home, except from a lot warmer um, and you've got more beaches. Um, um, but out here, it's a little bit different where you can't get stuff. You know, pretty much as easily as you would be back home. So there is going to be little challenges, and obviously FaceTime with rubbish internet with your son back home. You know, it is going to be little challenges, but you know what we what do they, you know, We always say with you know, smile in the face of adversity. So, and it's not even adversity; it's just slow Wi-Fi. Isn't it? it's you know, it's not even a. It's not like water. It's not like I've run out of water, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: First world problems, that's for sure. Uh, mate, as you said, I think, um, and I can you know, speak from, from my own experience, there's no sort of um, book for it. It's just sort of you're learning as you go and you have to go to work, as you said, and you've got to do these things and you just sort of Doing the best you can, but yes, you are correct, mate. They do grow up very fast, <laughs> and before you blink, my daughter is two, as I said, and it still feels like the other day that I was, you know, running up to the hospital because she was being born. So time goes quick, mate. That is for sure. Um, mate, talk to me just quickly about the pandemic and and your training and all that sort of stuff. How the games were postponed. I don't want to go on and on about it because I feel like we've talked about it enough, and I know you probably have as well. But how did you go through all of that?
1: Uh, well kind of uh i remember in february when it was all kicking off i mean well we're in australia gold coast from january to february and then we came home and it was kind of starting to get a little bit serious and then we raced in belfast and then that was our last flight without us knowing and then we raced in edinburgh a few weeks after that i think it was a week after that and then it started to properly kick off and then a few weeks i think it was a week or two after that The government said we're in a lockdown, and then the Olympics were cancelled. So it became very fast. Um, Everything just happened so fast, and it was really having a three weeks off, just kind of take it all in because it's like you know what the Olympics are off. There's no competitions now for the foreseeable future. Have a beer, have a you know, just chill out a little bit, um, and just completely put a lot of muscle on um, because I I wasn't swimming, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of. uh, what I'm not meant to be doing, but, um, you know, I got, I got back down.
0: Mate, talk to me about the backyard pool. I saw you got one dropped into your, your backyard. How did you go with that? And obviously it was a, it was a good set start up because you guys didn't have access to water, but did did the, the novelty of it wear off at a certain point? Was it good to be in it the whole time or did you start to go, mate, I'd love to just get back in a pool at some point?
1: I think, yeah, I mean, it was difficult to start off with, um, obviously adjusting your stroke, adjusting your training and obviously staying in there for two hours, it is difficult, but, you know, I'm grateful that I had that, you know, support, and had that kind of technology, mm. because, I would be a lot bigger, and a lot more muscular now, if it wasn't for that, um, and a lot, unf- on oh, well, a lot more unfit, so, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it, it's, it served its purpose really, to, you know, obviously it's an elite trainer, and you want to, you know, kind of, you know, get as much training as you can, without, you know, kind of compromising anything else, so, yeah, I mean, it's still there, just in case we go into another lockdown. Um, so you're not just good. using it for and, Saturday uh, night yeah, drinks now, really are you? Which say again.
0: So you're not just using it for Saturday night drinks now, are you, with a party at Adam's house? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not actually water anymore. It's just full of wine and beer. <laughs> no, it's still uh, all that's that. all stops yeah, now, mate. Little good. George good is there.
0: There's no more parties on a Saturday night, I can assure you.
1: Oh, trust me. I've, I, haven't, I haven't done it in about three months, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I like it. I like the transition though, to fatherhood. It's been, you know, brilliant. Absolutely.
0: Now, mate, obviously, we know the ISL's about to kick off. You're a proud member of the London Raw, as I already said. How excited are you to get stuck back into some racing? There's no more sitting on the sidelines. We're gearing up now. We're back in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it's going to be exciting. Obviously, being on the London Raw for the second season, uh, we've got some new members of the team, part of our team. And a big part of the energy of the team, so we're going to try and fill that hole as best as we can. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's just going to be exciting racing. It gives you know the swimming community something to watch, and other sports fans to watch. Um, and obviously, it's going to be a nice run into the Olympics now with you know back to back racing, back to back training, and whatnot. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. How check?
0: disappointing was it, mate, to have the Aussies have to pull out? I think there's still a couple that are going over. I think maybe three or four that are, are still getting over. I think MC bombs heading over, I saw. But how disappointing was it? Obviously, as you mentioned, a great majority of, of your team were made up of, of Aussies. Must have been disappointing to see them not be allowed to head over. Yeah, I mean, it is
1: disappointing. But again, it's, it's, an, it's a pandemic. So you can't really like, put your fingers going, oh, why aren't you coming or whatever. I'd love Chalmers <laughs> to come back over. And, you know, I you know, love spending time with Kyle. Um, we got on really well but I mean at the end of the day it's you know it is what it is Um, and you know everyone's health and safety comes first because if they came over then got ill or you know they brought something with them or they brought something back home it just doesn't grow the sport in the way we need it to grow and you know obviously those procedures are in place for a reason Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it's just kind of just soaking it all in really and uh, adjusting to the new team definitely Mm -hmm.
0: Well, at the end of the day too, mate, isn't it? I mean, the ISL is, has been hugely popular and successful and no doubt will go on to season three, season four, season five. So by no means does it mean the Aussies are never coming back. It's just this has been a shitty year, let's be yeah. honest, and you just can't make it over this yeah, exactly.
1: year. Yeah, exactly. And you want as much kind of, I don't know, you want, I don't know, like, again, it's... You know, no one re- I mean, you do remember like the NBA finals, the first season and stuff like the second season and stuff like that. Well, you don't remember it, but you know they happened. Yeah. But what season is it on now, like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. They're going to have plenty of opportunity in the future to kind of, um, you know, perform and join in and, uh, you know, be part of the team again. So, yeah, it's just one season. It's a tough call, uh, but obviously it's the right call if it's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I've no doubt the role will kick on, mate, bigger and stronger. Now, talk to me about how you started in swimming. So, obviously, we know where you're at now. We know the, 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 the dominating figure you cut when you get on pool deck and you dive off the blocks, but where did swimming start for you? How, where did Adam Petey, you know, get into the pool?
1: It um, started for me when I was at school. We had, like, a school gala, uh, school meet, and we started racing other people, other schools, and then I kind of got scouted, if, in quotations, and invited to come along to uh, the local swim club, stayed there for uh, four years. I enjoyed it, it as more of a social for me. And then when I met Mel, my coach, who's still my coach now, in, when I was on the trial to Derby. And then, yeah, it just kind of kicked off from there. I was, before Mel, I was doing like, what, two hours, three hours a week. So all the way up to 14, I was doing two to three hours a week, which was, was pretty good. Uh, um, I was always quite an active kid, as well. Like I never really liked to stay indoors too much. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of, don't know. Just it's gone so quick. Like you can't, you blink and you, you just miss, you miss it. It just goes so quick. Um, so yeah, it's just. Uh, I think this is the eleventh year now with Mel uh, as my coach, mm-hmm. and it's been very interesting. Very interesting. Um, obviously, you know, so much has changed especially the issue with its challenges and having a, having a boy, my son. Um, and that in itself is a massive, massive change. So it's really been about how well we've learned and adapted to each environment that has made us so successful as a pair, I think. Um, and, you know, when I came into the swimming game, like, you know, it wasn't, you know, as fingers it 58-4 was, was 2012. So that's when I started to come up. And that's Cameron's world record. And then twenty fourteen, that's when I started my kind of uh, my graph, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. my graph which goes downwards in world records. Um, and yeah, I've kind of been obsessed with performance and been in my optimum state ever since, you know, really. And and for me I think the balance works really well. And I'm dragging this question out, you know was about how did I start swimming, but really relates to how I did start swimming and it was very relaxed Mm. Um, and for me I was so, so relaxed I'm still so relaxed when I swim so relaxed when I'm out of the pool and I can get that balance right and I think you know a lot of athletes need that to kind of get that performance in the pool as well
0: well, I was going to ask you, I'm not going to lie, I did have a look on Wikipedia and it said as a teenager you didn't take swimming too seriously at some stages and you enjoyed to get around with your mates on the weekend. Was there a moment where you sort of it all clicked for you and you're like, shit, actually, I'm doing pretty well here and if I don't really switch on, I might screw up the opportunity that I've been given. Obviously, you've been given a gift. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, I knew I had a gift um, because when I, was, I went to Mal. I basically raced one of my friends, Kosuke, and he's, uh, he's back in Japan now. But um, he was at Derby because his dad worked at Toyota. And um, I was doing like two hours, two, hours, two hours a week, three hours a week back then. And he was doing like 15, 16, mm. and all, everything else around it. I never did any land work, no circuits, nothing. And we put on a race straight away, pretty much, because that's what Mel likes to do. And uh, I raced him and beat him. And Mel was like, your technique's like, unbelievable for what you do. Um, and the power that comes out your arms and your stroke. And then that's when really I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's kind of, yeah, whatever. I didn't really, I wasn't too bothered about that. But then I was really bothered about the training. I loved pushing my body to the, to the limit. And that's when I kind of got a, a sucker for training, a sucker for racing. But I've always been competitive, always been competitive about everything. Um, and I wish I could turn that off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Mate,
0: let's talk about your technique because obviously when we talk about you, we talk about the dominance in the pool. But, you know, one thing that gets brought up obviously is the unique, uh, no doubt, way you go about your business, the high stroke rate. Have you always had that high stroke rate? Is that something you and Mel have worked on when you were younger and, and all the, you know, coming through?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of my twitch and it's my, my body and how it, how it kind of adapted around that stroke. And I'm still, it's, it's, the thing is, like, people think my stroke is set it's set in stone, but it changes every year and it changes every day pretty much. So it's really about getting the optimum technique on the day of the championship, which I need it. So obviously this year it's ISL, possibly towards the end of the Latin matches, not necessarily the first matches. Um, and then obviously getting to an optimum state in the Olympics. But yeah, I mean, it is different. You know, a higher rate for me works it might not work for someone else Um, I know for Cobb it won't work because you know he's a 200 swimmer and his stroke really kind of benefits from that long glide and that long kind of streamlined position whereas me I've got a lot of muscle and a lot of drag so to keep going faster I need to pick up my rate uh, so I don't hit drag Um, and yeah, yeah it's difficult it's like a I always compare myself to a battleship and some other people as a speedboat you know, it, it takes a little bit while longer to get up there, and you're going to lose speed quicker. But at the end of the day, you got more firepower than a speedboat. So, you know, that's that's the way I see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 worth it for me. Um, but you've got to build. It's not just that I'm a sprinter. I still do five, six k sessions some days. And you know, you've got to have that endurance, and you've got to have that strength, power, uh, muscular endurance, your tendons, everything. Everything's got to be in check to make sure you don't get injured and you don't. Their you know, day off in that last twenty years.
0: Well, two things on that. One is I know where Mel was out here, and I'll I'll talk about it again in a minute. But she was very adamant that if you if you paused and slowed down your stroke, you still get to that streamlined position. You don't stay, stay there for as long as everyone else, but you're still in that position. Um, and the second thing is talking about obviously aerobic training and, and you, how much sort of freestyle or backstroke are you doing in training? Obviously, we know what you do in breaststroke, but how much are you doing uh, outside of breaststroke?
1: Yeah, I do quite a bit. A uh, bit of IM just for endurance. Uh, a lot of freestyle—that's uh, my base of threshold training um, and my, my pretty much all my aerobic training. Uh, back stroke I don't really do that much of. It's, the sole purpose of back for me is just to get the shoulders moving the other way. <laughs> um, and then the other the fly—you know—again, it's just on the IM stuff. So, so I don't really see the point in doing, you know, stuff that's not relevant or not something it's going to make me faster on my main stroke. Um, so I would never do main sets on IM, um, would never do main sets on any other stroke. Mm. Would only do it on freestyle just because of the endurance, because you can't do 2100 breaststroke on threshold because it's going to be 2100 max. Um, it's such a hard stroke for me to perform over that distance because mm. um, I'm so heavy and so got so much muscle to carry through. So I will do all that kind of freestyle um, with kit on or without kit on. So, yeah, we just just switch it up uh, as much as we can, really.
0: How much do you focus on skills as well? No doubt in breaststroke, you know, it's one of the main, you know, components, obviously, with your pullouts. How important is it to make sure with your phenomenal performances that you're still looking at little ways to improve it?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, skills are probably going to be the biggest area for me to drop big time. Uh, Example, on a dive we did the five meters, uh, pretty much on the full system, System, and that got a lot faster than going off a wedge on that was on the, the other one so stuff like that where we're going to pick up like really really small but real um, easy margins um, because you can train all year for 0.2 but you know you could easily get 0.2 in a two hour session so it really for me skills are going to be a massive part of developing as an athlete in terms of time but also you know prevented injury um and becoming yeah becoming more streamlined really and just learning about your stroke and becoming a master of your craft really and uh no one's really well i know no one's been to where i've been and in terms of that time so there's no real book written on it and so anything i do is almost experimental (laughs) i guess (laughs) yeah and trying new things trying to do other things um but i've never been one of those people who go oh what do they do what does you know i was never a kid who goes what does phelps do and what does he eat because i'm like as phelps like it's one he's a completely different stroke he's a beast but also like for me that isn't relevant to a 15 year old me um you know it, he's a man i'm a boy pretty much so um i've never been really one of those people i think that has benefited me um i did read stories of uh, Ian Thorpe, um and about his mindset when he was racing and how he was basically—I think it was a little last comment. I couldn't remember it, but how he stays in a neutral mindset of not kind of getting carried away the, the highs, don't get carried away the lows—and that's mm-hmm. something me and Mel have talked a lot about, you know, over the over the course of our years—and just staying completely neutral uh, because if you do get lost in the highs, for me, that you cannot do things as well. But if you get lost in the lows, you're not going to believe in yourself, and that confidence will start to tear you down. Um, yeah I mean It's like anything in life Anything of, You know Too much of anything Is bad for you Or everything in little doses You know You know it is all right for you I guess
0: Well you sort of stole my thunder On the next question I was going to talk to you About everyone Wanting to obviously Be the next Adam Pedian And when they're doing Breaststroke They want to breaststroke Like Adam Pedian. they want to try To you know You know Replicate your technique What advice would you have To those younger swimmers Out there that Watch what you do And want to try and emulate What you do in the pool
1: I mean, this is something we've you know, set up. We've set up uh, AP Race Plus for that. Um, so they can access all that kind of content of what I do to you know, become fast. Um, but in a sense, it's like, one, is belief. <laughs> you, know, you can't go anywhere without belief, especially to where I've gone. Um, and then two, have an undying motivation. That, a motivation, even though on the last rep you want to give up, you're not going to give up. And free, you you've got to enjoy it. So if you don't enjoy it now, uh, over the course of, let's say, a month or two months or three months, quit because I'm saying that because you're not probably not going to ever find the love for it. Try a different sport. And if you don't like then you can come back to it in a year. Um, I think kids and parents put too much pressure on themselves to love something. Uh, but you'll, you'll always know when you love something because you always think about it and you can't stop it. Because I remember when I was a swimmer in Derby, when Mel's given some horrendously hard sets, it's like, I don't want to do this. I'm bored of it. It's rubbish. What's the point in all this? Um, And that was a Sunday night. And she goes, my mom was like, you know, just turn up tomorrow. It's how you go. The next session was mint. And I loved it. So I always have a saying, never make a big decision of temporary emotions. um, Because I feel like, especially as humanity, we can get carried up in all this emotion and all these things. When we're not really thinking about it logically, how do we think about something logically? without the emotion. And obviously kids, you know, you develop that when you become an adult and you know yourself more. I still, know I'm getting to know myself more and more each day um, because I push myself and I, I want to learn. But people don't even know themselves. Some people don't even know themselves when they're 40. So how's a kid going to know themselves? Um, but that's really, it's a basic thing is as long as you enjoy it, that's an amazing starting block, and you know you can use that sport to grow as a person and grow as a, a, a sports person an athlete, as, as long as you want it.
0: Absolutely, mate! I think that is perfect advice. Now, while we are talking about obviously your technique, your success in the pool, no doubt we have to talk about your amazing coach, Mel Marshall, one of the best in the business and fantastic athlete in her own right. Um, you know, she did some talks over here in Australia last time you guys were out And I was so impressed I was eating up every word and just, you know, writing it down She didn't want to give too much away But she was giving away what she could uh, What makes your partnership work so well with Mel, do you think? And obviously, over so many years, you know, there's obviously, uh, you know, some keys there
1: um, What makes it work so well? Uh, I think we're very honest with each other So if something annoying me, I'll say, what's annoying me? Or if I think Mel's, you know, it never happens, but if I think Mel's lying to me um, or she's not pushing me as much as she can, I'll call her out and same, she will call me out. If she's, I mean, never, ever has she gone, you're not working hard enough, never. Um, I always work as hard as I can because why wouldn't I? I'm, I'm at the pool anyway. I might as well work harder than I, so um, I'm going to waste my own time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great relationship because it's professional, um, but it's also a friendship and I guess mutual agreement that we both strive every single day to push push ourselves and push each other. Um, and once you've got all them, I think, I don't know, like what else do you need? Um, she's got the knowledge. I've got the graft and together. I think, you know, if you combine, combine them both and you've got that wisdom and you've got that experience, you kind of become in a zone where You're kind of undefeated in yourself. So how is anyone else going to defeat you? Um, you know, that, that's the kind of confidence you've got to have in yourself. And, you know, you say that sometimes when people are, like, oh, you know, oh, it's, you know, that's just cocky or arrogant, but it's not like, there's a fine line between arrogance. Arrogance would be going, I'm never going to be viewed. I'm never going to, you know, do that. Or I'm always going to go this in the championships and whatever. And it just comes across as just total rubbish, I guess. Um, but our confidence is, I believe in myself. I believe in my team and I'm, going to give absolutely everything to get there. Um, and it's a very calm, calm thought and a calm process to that.
0: Am I right in saying that Mel bought you your first car?
1: Yeah, of course. She doesn't show up about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she doesn't show up about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, she did. She, it was a 2001 Renault Clio and it cost, I think, I want to say a £1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of cars since then. I wish I could buy my car nowadays. That'd that save me a few
0: bucks. <laughs> Mate, what wouldn't we know about Mel that only you get to see on pool deck? Obviously, with you know when she talks to us professional, if she's on you know doing media professional, what do you guys get to see away from all of the our eyes?
1: Oh God, uh, I don't want to say too much about exposing her. I guess uh, <laughs> it's like WikiLeaks. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, what Earth. Uh, I don't know she's got a horrible taste in music i guess except for um, a 90s techno trance which i can agree on uh everything else is total rubbish for me <laughs> but we that's where we have a little arguments now and then um yes yeah, so next time you see her just say she's got a horrible taste in music like dixie chicks like come on mel wow
0: yeah, I agree with you. I might, I might, I might bring that. Up. I'm going to write this down. Uh, Mate, we've talked about it. We've touched on it a little bit. Champions' mentality. It's one of the really things that fascinates me, and one of the reasons I started the podcast is I wanted to talk to champion athletes, you know, such as yourself, and find out what makes you guys tick. I get to coach, obviously, age group athletes, and you know, 17, 18 year olds. So I'm always trying to, you know, better myself, professional development. It's always very interesting to me what makes you. You guys, different, I guess, and we've sort of touched on it. You've you've come, you've sort of gotten to a little bit to the points. But what makes champions and that champion mindset? Do you think different from say, and you know, some someone who makes the Olympics versus someone who's breaking world records and is being an outlier in the Olympics?
1: I think there's a one, you know, you can't disagree that there's a huge amount of talent. Um, two, you definitely can't disagree that there's been a lot of hard work. Um, i say three, a small amount of luck. Um, and then four, I think that's where it sets apart. The rest of the world is uh, an obsession with what you do. So I, I spoke on it earlier about being a master of my craft. It really is trying to get the best out of myself every single day and looking at those areas and go, okay, I'm not so good on here, I'm not so good on there. How do we make that better? Okay, I'm going to talk to the physio, I'm going to talk to the biomechanics, how do I make that better? I'm going out my own way to make myself better. I'm going out my own way, of taking full responsibility for my performance. Mm. Um, so I don't need a nutritionist going, oh, that shit's bad for you. I, you can't eat that. I know it's not bad. It's not. I know it's not good for me. Um, so why would I do it? So it's basically having that kind of, yeah, I guess full responsibility of your performance and performance. working with a team. UK, USA, Australia are very lucky and there's a few other teams in there. You know, there's a whole list of them, but let's say those three um, and you've got way more. But they're very lucky because they've got massive, extensive um, support networks. You know, Look at Swimming Australia, look at Team USA, look at Great Britain, Tokyo, Netherlands and stuff like that. So they've got really extensive um, professionals who work for them and the people who work for British Swimming, I really believe you know, we are some sort of the best in the world. So if we're looking for uh, the best in the world performance, we're going to look at okay, who's the best biomechanics in the world uh, and how can I get, how can I shave 0.1 off to before I've even got to five meters? Mm. It's stuff like that where we're really going to have a way to get that performance instead of relying on, I need them to tell me, but I can't be asked to wait six months for someone to tell me, I need it now because uh, in six months it's too late. Yeah. So I'll always push them and they'll always push me. Um, and then really, so what goes on up in here, like in your head, you can't even see it because of the green screen, but in your head, um, yeah, in your head, that you know, in your mental state, that is the most important part. Um, in my head, before I in a championship, I'm unbreakable. Uh, anything that does happen, and I can't control, I don't care. I'm still gonna race. It's um, really having that mindset that you know, control the controllables. Don't try and control the uncontrollable. It doesn't matter what's going on in lane seven for me, or lane four, lane three, lane five. I'm in the moment right now, I'm in tunnel vision, I'm going for it. I've trained for this moment all my life and it's gonna happen. Um so yeah, having that kind of, you know, undying obsession with what you do, that's where you set apart people who just made the Olympics and people who medal, people who get gold and people who will have world records. Um and I think I really do think swimming still is in its infancy. Um I think we've got a long way to come in terms of that and you know, if you look at any professional sport, and maybe ISL will push this on, but I think we're just going to get faster and faster. Um, the whole sport in general, yes, it's fast, but I just think we can be so much faster in the next ten, twenty years. Um, hence, why I want to get ahead of the curve and try and break my own world record before no one can touch it. So, <laughs> it's uh, that'll be ideal, I guess. Um, and then I will be commentating, hopefully, on on them and you know what whatnot, but. You know i love exactly what what i do and uh, and that's another one number five have an undying love for what you do because you can't do anything amazing and you know incredible if you don't if you don't deep down you know you, you absolutely love what you do
0: hmm. well i'm interested are you sort of that passionate in terms of you know and and diligent in terms of all that stuff away from the pool with certain things as well. That sort of champion's mindset, is that specifically, obviously it's what you're doing now, that's what you're in. So no doubt the answer is yes for swimming now. But say, for example, if swimming, the pool's closed tomorrow and you had to go and go into an office or you had to find another way to go, do you feel like that champion's mindset can carry over to there as well?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's most important. Um, A champion's mindset is everything as a whole package. It's not just turn up to the pool, being a champion or turn up to the gym and being a champion or eating right and being a champion. It's when shit hits the pan or fan. Is it shit hits the fan or shit hits the fan? It's sure, the fan. hit the fan. When it, it goes me- wrong. She gets
0: messy, mate, when <laughs> it hits the fan.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think it's like, why would it be in a pan?
0: No. Um, that did not make sense that, to
1: me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> often when it goes wrong, when it goes wrong, that is when the champion comes out and that's when. That mindset is unbreakable, and that's when that resilience kicks in. That you're still going to get to the objective, no matter what. Um, and that's why, you know, I like to work with different people around mindsets, um, and we work with a little bit of. A, uh, I work with the crew, um, the leadership margin, who kind of push me in my mindset in that way. And um, yeah, they're just great on, you know, really kind of putting stuff into perspective. So if stuff does go wrong, okay, how can we plan that out? How can we plan this out? But most of the time, it is just being positive. Um, and if you do feel like you're negative, leak it out, but not into the other team members. Um, so make sure it doesn't kind of overflow. And then, yeah, just being resilient um, and smiling in the face of adversity. I think it's just that's the most important one. Where if it does, I don't know if something does happen or it's going wrong and it's not gone to plan. Just smile and just go. You know what? I'm prepared. Whenever it's going to happen, if it's going to happen today or tomorrow, I'm still going to be ready.
0: Have there been any moments for you where the shit hits the fan? Obviously, it might even be something that we didn't see or something behind the scenes that we didn't know about. And obviously, you still probably came out, won a gold medal. We didn't know, but maybe something behind the scenes had gone wrong. Have you been through adversities like that where that champion mindset kicked in and then helped?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... uh, (laughs) When I was in Rio in 2016, so basically we were staying in Belo Horizonte, which is about an hour's flight to Rio for a seven-hour drive because the infrastructure just, you know, it's windy road and stuff. But yeah. uh, so all our bags went by road to obviously save costs and save time. Um, and then all, we just took our hand luggage onto the plane and got down to there. And then everyone's bags were in the rooms, so there's no energy wasted on kind of hauling up your bags and whatever and you know, getting kind of just... Wasted all energy. But my bag didn't turn up. Um, and it had all my kit in, all my race stuff, all my supplements, all my drinks. Um So that didn't turn up. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, this is bad. But I could, in that moment, I could have gone completely negative. But I just saw it as the last kind of hurdle to success. Okay, how do I react to this? Um, and just kind of, I don't know, just kind of be positive. It didn't really even that bother me that much. Because um, I got my suits from Arena. Everything else out there that I needed and at the end of the day all the work was done all I needed to do and to be was myself anyway um I knew I wasn't gonna let four or five years of training be wasted because some I don't know someone stole my bag uh, with my Burberry jacket in you know it's uh, it just doesn't equate to me you know you've got to think about these things logically and not get caught up in the emotion of you know things being stolen and things being out of your control
0: I think that is a great um, a great example and especially because that's something that I think all the listeners can really um take to heart because it happens to all of them, doesn't it? There's times where they would forgot their bags or mum didn't pack something because they were supposed to pack it themselves. But let's be honest, they waited for mum to do it. Or their togs break, so they're getting ready. They're suiting up before and, you know, something rips. So there's all those sort of yeah. things that, that happen. So I think that's um, a perfect example. Now, mate, I purposely have stayed away from going through your career highlights and not to be disrespectful about it, but there's bloody a lot, mate. We'd be here all night and already we've, you know, it's getting late into the night. I know you've got a lot of things going on today. So what I thought is I'd just give you a few and then you throw back at me what those moments mean to you and maybe a few stories that stand out around it. So first one was 2014 Com Games in Glasgow. Uh,
1: Yeah, so that was my first senior international. First time racing Cameron and Christian Springer. Um, You know, both very, very fast people. Um, They both won gold and silver in 2012 and 2013 in that event so i knew it was going to be hard um so yeah just kind of went out there gave it my all and two year, two weeks later i broke the world record in the 50s so yeah it was very emotional to obviously get that and uh, that's kind of kick-started me ever since
0: was it nice i know it wasn't a home games because it was in scotland but was it nice to have a games that was close to home i guess
1: uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it essentially it was a home games because um, we're all still United Kingdom. It gets a bit weird because you've got England, Scotland and Wales and yeah. Northern Ireland, but we are, you know, together as one anyway. And you still had Scottish people cheering for the English, yeah. which was nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty much a home crowd.
0: Hey, you touched on it there, your first world record. What was it like?
1: Uh, yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, very good. It's just, I remember looking back, touching, I was like, okay, you know, that was an easy first, but uh, I remember gliding in and I was like, oh, you know, I probably just missed out on my PB there, but then I turned around and saw Wood Record, I was like, you know what, that's pretty pretty cool, um, and yeah, I just got on the lane rope, <laughs> really fell off the lane rope, got back on it, uh, yeah, but I just enjoyed it, I don't really get too carried away in what I do, uh, I enjoy the moment, obviously, but um, I'm always on, as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, I can go faster, mm. and look now, we're, what, 0.7 ahead of that, even, 26.6 is you know, it's an amateur, not won't to amateur, but it's not, a, it's not a great, great time anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, as back then it was, in 2014, it was a fast time. But, you know, people are going 26-4s, 26 26-5s 26 now, 26-3s. And that's why it just takes one person to kind of break the mould and then the rest of the world will just come down into that mould.
0: Mate, you've, you've um, sort of touched on it there with the world record. And I'm interested... Do world records feel different to you? I know I've spoken to Susie O'Neill, I've spoken to Eamon Sullivan, I've spoken to a few others who have broken world records in their time and they always say that that race to them was one of the easiest they've ever raced. They touched, they didn't even feel like it was a world record. It just sort of happened for them. They can't even put their finger on it. Does it feel that way to you or do you think that's just because they broke the world record so they look back and think, oh, that was easy? Had they missed out by 0.01, that would have been the hardest race of their life
1: yeah i mean they're still they're still hard <laughs> i guess I guess the they look at back of them easy because you're on such a high so you don't actually remember the race mm. and the feelings of that because you're you've immediately got a gratification as soon as you finish yeah. um which is what obviously everyone seeks um but yeah, I mean as athletes we go ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time without gratification, but when you do break it that zero point zero 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 one of the time you know it feels kind of an immortal thing um and like it felt so easy and it's you know it's gonna happen again and again and again but the reality is it takes a long time for that to happen again so yeah i mean they do feel spectacular they feel really good but i wouldn't say easy
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey what about 2016 rio olympics
1: oh yeah i can see in your background now yeah i mean that was an incredible meet rio and that's when i really kind of came into my own um my performance kind of unlocked myself and yeah just it felt just i suppose it did feel easy it felt amazing uh, i remember feeling very nervous the night before because it was my first olympics and it meant so much to me but then those subsided then it was business time and i went out in the heats got a world record sammy uh, just touched on the world record just outside of it and then on the final just blew it completely away again so i nearly dropped a second from the first day well from the world record from the first day before I broke it then after the finals nearly a whole second so yeah, yeah an incredible meet yeah I absolutely loved it
0: love you say that so casually, you know, in the heats, world record, semi-almost, final smashed it. But is that because, in, in, in fairness to you, is that because that's your PB? So if I was talking to an athlete who was, you know, trying to knock off there, do you look at it as the world record and you're, and you're knocking away and, and creating history each time? Or are you looking at it as, that's my PB and I've beaten it?
1: Yeah, I guess. I, I, I never go into a race going, oh, I want a world record. I want to do this world record. I go into a race going if we put this process together and tie together and it goes really well, potentially we can get a world record, but I never focus on the time. It's, it's so irrelevant. Yeah. Um, because if you think of it in a way that if you raced and there was no time anywhere, you were just racing to race. You would only focus on the process to get that result. Mm. Whereas if you focus on the time, you know, it completely takes away your focus and you, it just distracts you from the actual, um, kind of, uh, Goal in hand, and the objective that you've got to reach. Um, you know, for example, when the armed forces go you know somewhere to do something <laughs> to bad people, they um, they don't think of that uh, okay, we're gonna you know do this, and this is the you know this is the, uh, sorry, this is going to be the objective, and you just solely focus on that. They focus on okay, we need these logistics, we need this drop-off point, we need to be. On a rendezvous at this time, yeah. We need disc kit. We need everything like this, and then that's what makes the objective happen. Because if you focus too much on the objective, you know, you, you just lose that focus and you lose that kind of surrounding kind of vision. I guess. Mm.
0: What about 2019 World Champs Guangzhou just last year?
1: Uh, that was a challenging environment. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was quite a quite challenging environment because of the heat, the food, the humidity, the accommodation. Um, there's a lot of just challenging things there but i mean i still went fast uh, and that's why i think in tokyo i know in tokyo i can get faster it's just going to be about okay um, it's it's going to be about timing and uh again the process and really just fine and everything else so i can get the best possible performance out of myself but yeah i mean that was a great meet for me um obviously 569 uh, 568 sorry um but yeah i always think you know i can get faster off that if that makes sense yeah
0: what about where gold with the boys, mate? In the four by one, that must have been a pretty good moment. Getting up on the dais with the with the three lads.
1: Yeah, that was that was good to be fair. The um, with uh, with that, obviously Duncan pulled out of the bag. You know, an amazing amazingly fast performance. But I think we've got a lot of maturity to, grow, to go. I still I know I can go faster than fifty six five in Rio. Um, it's just about okay. How do I not get carried away with the team environment and getting pumped up? Because that's what happens. I get too pumped up and I'm, I die in my arse in the last 15. So I need to kind of control that. I know I need to control that. and I need to be better with that kind of self-control. Um, i not trying to catch the Americans up too soon, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it was a great race. Um, but when it comes to, you know, Tokyo next year, it's just going to, you know, get faster and faster. You've got China coming through as well. Um, but, yeah, it's looking like a good race.
0: And hey, what do you like in the marshalling area? Just out of curiosity, I didn't even have this written down, but just out of curiosity, I mean, obviously, you're a, an alpha male. You, you know, you've, you're obviously the fastest in the world. Are you someone who sits in marshalling, is quite reserved, sits to himself, gets his tunes on? Are you quite chatty? Do you get in the zone? Like what, everyone's different, obviously, and it all works for different people. What works for you in the marshalling area?
1: I like to get in the zone, personally. Um, I like to kind of, yeah, walk around. Um, just because I've never really believed in sitting down before a battle. I always think of swimming as a battle um, or racing or competing as a battle. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't, you know, <laughs> you know, before a firefight or before a sword battle or whatever it's going to be, back to prehistoric times when you've got a rock, you wouldn't just sit down before you do that. You'd get pumped up, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way I think of it in very simple terms of, okay, I'm going to go out there to fight. Is sitting down for two minutes going to do anything? Probably not. Um, so get up, keep those muscles warm, keep them elongated, um, and then just you know, go smack it, I guess. Uh, it's telling my body what the right attitude is to think in my head um, and kind of obviously living by that. Mm.
0: Mate, what continues to drive you? Because I've got to say, you're a -a one-of-a-kind athlete. You've broken the mould in terms of setting standards, world records, for others to try and follow for years to come. As you said, you're still trying to continue to push the boundaries so that, if the yeah, they're going to follow it, but they're going to take a lot bloody longer to get there because you're going to keep pushing those boundaries. What keeps you motivated? What keeps you hungry for more?
1: I quite like just becoming better every day it's really simple that I'm obsessed with just becoming better um, obviously I want to see this Olympics out I want to defend my Olympic title but I want to do it in a way which is you know a wow factor in a sense so that's what motivates me um, but other than that obviously my boy my family um, they motivate me to become better and faster um, and it gives me goosebumps just saying that and that's like a really powerful thing for me to have Um And, yeah, I just, I guess, just want to secure my legacy. It's very simple that, you know, it it requires a long time to secure a proper legacy as an athlete. Um, Possibly, if you look at Michael Jordan, you know, he's 15, 20 years. You know, it's a long time, you know, in the sport to kind of, you know, secure that legacy. But I know that price is what I'm willing to pay, you know, to be remembered in a sense that, you know, I was up there with one of the best um, and that's, that is kind of a, a thing I strive for um, because I don't see the point in doing this for me that I'm just going to be another name on a, a huge list of swimmers that nearly did it. I want to be okay. I'm at the top of people who were at the top of the game for a long time. Um, and that, that is a huge motivation in itself.
0: Mate, you're not just another name, that's for sure, I can assure you. Now, was there ever a chance for you to get stuck into the 200? Because I know have, when Mel came out here, she touched on, someone asked about you in a 200 and she said, well, look, I actually think you could do pretty well, but, you know, he's not obviously doing it, but I think
1: he I can do well on a short course. <laughs> I can do well on a short course just because of the turns and the pullouts, but long course is just a different game. It's too much muscle to carry for 200 metres. Yeah um and obviously all that muscle it's not just the muscle and endurance it's the oxygen um i just can't get enough oxygen to my muscle to have a great performance Mm. because if you're looking at someone like chukkov i'm probably 25 kilogram heavier um and that's a lot of a lot of weight to carry for an extra you know extra 100 meters
0: hey talk to me about your brand um doing some great things you mentioned it before ap race plus as well um you know how did that come about and how much are you enjoying, you know, getting all that started and, and speaking with the, you know, the customers and, and the young kids coming through?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's very important to obviously appeal to the new generation of swimmers. Um, but, you know, they can access, you know, world-class stuff like nutrition, uh, psychology, S&C. So on what do you do in a gym? How do I stretch? What do I do? technique different training types and you know many many other and other things exclusive videos exclusive interviews and stuff like that so for me that's important to obviously keep going um and you know kind of inspire the next generation and i don't think in swimming is anything like it where you've got someone who knows exactly what it's going to take and obviously giving that back down to people uh, to look at and you know kind of follow because there is a, is a two-year course which you follow and you can keep giving, you know, feedback back to, obviously, me or the team, and you know, telling us how it's going. Really,
0: well, May, I think you're doing a great job, and I want to applaud you for it. And even just, even something like what you're doing now, coming on the podcast. I mean, do not have to? You had a the biggest names in world swimming. There's no reason for you to come on off the block swimming podcast, but no doubt you do it, obviously, to hear my witty jokes and humor and have a good um, laugh <laughs> with me. But. Also to, you know, help promote the sport, help promote the ISL. Uh, I think you are doing that, you know, you and also Chad, I've got to put Chad LeClow in there. He did the same thing a week ago with me as well and sat down and you guys don't have to. So I just want to applaud you for, for what you do and give back and helping trying to promote swimming because you're right. Not a lot of it happens. I know even here in Australia, I think our um, broadcast rights just got um, canceled because of obviously the, the pandemic and things like that. So, we're looking for, you know, people to put swimming back on TV and stuff like that. So, as I said, you know, congratulations on what you're doing there and, and what you continue to do because uh, I think it's making a big difference. Oh, thank you. Mate, talk to me about your affiliation with the greatest swimming brand in the world, Arena.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, great. Really good. Um, you know, it's it's been a long relationship. 2014, I think. Yeah, 2014, I signed. I signed... A week or a few days before my first world record, um, and yeah, I've been rating in them. You know, ever since it's good, great gear for me. Um, enables me to do my job to the best ability I can. Um, especially when you come down to the kind of the one percent, um, you know. And I have input to those race suits as well. It's mm-hmm. not like just they're giving me a suit and going wear this. You know, it, I actually have input and going. This isn't as good as it can be, or you know, need more compression here and need less compression here. Um, and I think that's when you get a, a product, when you actually work with world class athletes in that sport, that's when you get a product which is just incredible. And that's what they've created with the new lineup of suits. So I wear the Core FX, um, and we've done a lot of drag data on it, and it's 5% quicker than a Flex, for example. So, yeah. you know, 5% in a sport is nothing to be, you know, stick your nose up at, really. So, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, that relationship is going to continue to hopefully you know, blossom really and you know, I I would like to see my you know my whole career out with arena. Um, you know, a lot of athletes do that, they stick with one brand, but again, you just don't know. It's you know, one of those things. But they have been there since day one and, you know, having all this technology and it's great to see them grow as a company and me grow as an athlete. Um and uh, and whatnot. So
0: Well, man, I'm a fan of Arena. Obviously, they're a great sponsor of my show. and We do a lot of prize giveaways and things like that. So, as I said, I I don't do it for for no reason. I think if you look at um, the finals of most uh, international championships, especially with the sprinters such as yourself, and you look at what they're wearing, a lot of them are wearing Arena. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Hey, talk to me about uh, Team GB uh, without a doubt at a great place at the moment from an outsider's perspective, that's for sure. You've got a bird's-eye view. You're in the thick of it, mate. How excited are you for Tokyo 2021 for Team GB with the wealth of talent that's already there and coming through? And I don't want to obviously get you to put a whole heap of pressure on on their shoulders, obviously, no sort of medal tallies and all that sort of shit. But just obviously you're in a good, positive place moving forward. And it just seems like you just guys get bigger and stronger each year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's working with a world-class team. Um, you know, Ever since the new crew came in, like 2014, it's been continually evolving, continually adapting and learning. And that's exactly what we've done. And obviously the new guys want what the top guys have got. So they want the cars. Sponsorships and stuff, and I think that's a really good thing for them to aspire to, um, as well as medals, award records, and success. Um, if you look at any other successful sport, they've got those top guys promoting. Okay, this is what you get if you win, or this is what you get if you train hard. Um, and some people don't like that materialistic side of it, but I know that inspires. It did inspire me, you know, when I was starting. Um, I was looking at the sports going, Okay, how how can I get that? And you know, I just got to stand out and have that performance, and you know, push myself every single day. Um so I think that's a very important thing for kids especially to look up at that. You can have a career out of it. Um, you know, you don't have to, you know, solid do this just for fun, really. You can do it as a career and it can pay bills in a sense. So yeah, I mean it's it's just a it's just a fantastic thing for me to, you know, do and been able to kind of live off it, I guess, and uh have work with great people, work with great sponsors, do amazing things. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. Matt,
0: let's get away from swimming for a little bit. Obviously, your young son is now there, but uh, you know, what do you get up to away from the pool in your downtime? Because I know you're a bit of a gamer, so has that changed too since, uh, since George is around now?
1: A little bit, yeah. I haven't gained that much too much, really. I have bought my Xbox out of here but I can't play Xbox with this internet. So I can't,
0: don't you worry about that? Yeah. There's going to be a good edit job to have to be done after we finish this. Don't you worry? Not on your uh, words. <laughs> don't you, but just you know, chopping and getting out all those. Uh, eat, uh, 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 uh. What else do you get up to?
1: Uh, I love my music, uh, big fan of music. Love my cars. I love fashion. Fashion is a huge thing. Uh, what else? Eating. You know, what swimmer doesn't love eating? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for fine dining though, which is unfortunate for my wallet, I guess. But uh, I love, you know, really good food, really nice places and nice aesthetic. And I don't know, I just, I just love all this, that kind of stuff. So London for me is pretty much like a holiday. Uh, so we spent a few days when Avery was heavily pregnant down in London, just enjoying that before George came. Um, so that was good. Um, but yeah, it's so important to kind of just get away and uh, I guess just enjoy every single day. I've had such a positive few months, such a positive year this last year that you know I'm enjoying every single day, and I'm enjoying meeting new people, having new team members, working with different people, different sponsors, and uh, you know I love that positivity because I do believe it's infectious. And uh, you know if someone's negative around me, I just completely ignore them or say bye bye. <laughs> I guess. Without being rude. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. I know
0: what you mean. Mate, any plans for more tattoos or what?
1: Yeah, a few more. I want, I want something with George on it, on my inside arm. Um, you're not going to see it. I don't think it's this green screen. Where are you? I don't even know where the camera is. There it is. <laughs> so inside. it's
0: good to know me. We've been talking for an hour and you didn't yeah. know where the bloody camera was. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, what are it's, it's like
1: yeah. it's, it's mirrored. And it's like, I'm thinking I'm going over here, but I'm actually going over there. It's I like, know what it's, you mean. It's kind of, Crazy, But yeah, something to do, something to do with George um, Yeah, it's just I'm kind of soaked up at the moment Yeah, Really um, But yeah, finish these two arms and then see where we want to go next
0: Alright mate Now listen, I like to finish my chats With some less serious, more rapid fire questions To get to know what you like at home What you listen to, what you watch, what you eat You touched on food, all that sort of stuff So whatever first comes to your mind Just throw it back at me What's your favourite sort of music to listen to? It's hot all right, so obviously that's it. So it just, just for my curiosity, when you and Mel have to fight over the playlist for tunes on pool deck, does she, is she happy with hip hop? Is she happy to listen to that?
1: it's non-explicit hip-hop she's happy with okay yeah yeah
0: I'm with her on that yeah. I, list, I let my guys listen to uh, music as well and they're into all that sort of hip-hop stuff and Little Uzi and I don't even know who Little Uzi is but let's be honest um, so but yeah we've got public people around us so I'm always like boys boys come on we can't we just can't be having F in this and yeah. it, you know so I'm with her uh, what about favourite movies what do you like to watch
1: uh, sci-fi interstellar probably Oh, easily, that was a good movie. That was a good movie, but it lost yeah. me at and the end true when it
0: fell into the hole. I didn't even know what was going on.
1: It's called the fifth dimension, in it. It's yeah, well, you're a lot smarter than you're a lot smarter than me. I got lost
0: <laughs> at that point. I was like, "That's it. I'm going to get a drink." Um, <laughs> what are our favourite countries you visited? Uh,
1: Singapore, Japan, uh, Australia. Uh, I want to say Italy I love Italy mm. uh, I like Greece Greece is really nice although the ancient history around the Mediterranean is beautiful yep. and so interesting
0: absolutely what are you on the messes um, binge watch on TV mate for TV shows what do you like to watch
1: uh, anything that's kind of easy I guess I like Mr. Robot at the moment she likes like Modern Family um, mm. some crime stuff uh, documentaries we like documentaries um what else is there? Ballers, Billions, stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Good shows.
0: Uh, mate, you've obviously you mentioned gaming. What, what's your favourite game to play?
1: Call of Duty right now. Uh don't really actually play actually anything else really. I, I've always been a fan of strategy games, mm. um, like base, base building games. I've loved base building games for, since day one. Um, so, you know, you, you Command & Conquers, um, your supreme commanders and stuff like that. I've always loved them. Um, what else? I guess, yeah, just first plus shooters at the moment.
0: What's your banter level like?
1: Very high, off the charts. <laughs> when I'm in the mood, I have to be high energy. Otherwise, I'll just put my headphones in. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, mate, what about some of your favourite quotes? Do you have any that sort of you live by, that people have given you, that you've taken to heart, or are you someone who doesn't really get into quotes that much?
1: I love a good quote. Um, I don't really have them off. I don't really have them off my head. I always look at something on my phone. Um, basically, I have a. Do you know that? Have you ever seen American History X? No. So that's a really good film about um, uh, basically a guy who's a severe racist and um, he has like Nazi symbols on him and stuff like that. And then these two black guys came over and stole his car and he killed them. He went to prison and it shows you how he went away from that life and being a nazi and far right wing to a person who was you know kind of understood and that that hate wasn't you know everything well it was hate was nothing basically and Mm. it didn't make any of his life better by hating a certain type of people and i think we can learn a lot from that so my quote is um it says has any of your hate made your life better so when we're thinking about being negative um, about anything or anyone, so if we hate a certain type of person, which you know, people do for some reason, mm. that has, has hated anyone or has spread spreading any of this negativity made any of your life better. And that's a question you've got to ask yourself, and only you know the answer. And I probably guess 99%, probably 100% of the time, it hasn't because how can hate make anyone's lives better? So that's a really good quote for me to kind of live by.
0: That's a good one, mate. It's a waste of time anyway, isn't it? All of that sort of hate and worrying about certain sh- just stupid shit. Just enjoy your life. Let other yeah. people enjoy their lives and everybody crack on, as yeah. you always say. Um, yeah. One of my favourite quotes, mate, just if you want to write this one down so you don't have to look for one for 20 minutes next time, is, um, yes. is from um, Remember the Titans. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah. So when he, when he says to him, they're talking, they're having a confrontation, the the two sort of main characters. And he said, man, you've got a really bad attitude. And he said, well, attitude reflects leadership, captain. And I've always thought about that in terms Ooh. of when my swimmers have bad attitudes or the team maybe isn't performing as well and everyone's down. I always think, well, okay, attitude reflects leadership. So what am I doing? I never really put it up to them. Yeah. I was- myself and go. Okay,
1: well, That's what, a good what quote. am I doing here? A great quote.
0: What do you want your legacy to be, mate, when you hang up the togs?
1: Someone that was, I guess, just shaped the sport or the stroke or whatever that was seen as, I guess, a pioneer of the stroke, I guess, and changed it. And obviously people can follow and be a leader, I guess, uh, that would be my legacy. Um, And just someone who who loved the sport and gave back. I think that's a very simple legacy to have.
0: Well, mate, I think you're definitely doing that in spades. Thank you very much, mate. We're going to wrap it up. I know you've got to get to lunch and I've got to get to bed. Thank you very much, first of all, for agreeing to come on. I was chuffed that you actually agreed for it mate and you're a legend for doing it um thank you as well for being able to come back on i know i got my time zones wrong so thank you for that um i genuinely appreciate it sitting down with me going through your career mate you're an absolute superstar of our sport you're a once in a generation athlete good luck over in the isl with the london raw mate that's our team so go well go strong um, and hopefully we catch up again at some point in the future but thank you for coming on off the block swing podcast Uh, Thank you very much. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Massive thank you to Adam for coming on the podcast. He definitely did not have to. He's a busy man. He's got a new baby boy. The ISL's kicking off, as well as everything else he has going on right now. But he did it. He's a bloody legend, and I cannot thank him enough. Coming your way tomorrow is the final episode for Season 3. It's the 100th episode in the podcast history and we are celebrating by taking a look back at the best of Season 3. With all the fun that we've had along the way, it should be a fitting way to finish up what has been the biggest season by far, so do not miss it. Until then, though, guys, have a great day. Keep smiling, don't let the haters win, and it's bye for now.